All right, welcome everybody to our latest edition of the Hallway Podcast. Uh, happy that we got this thing moving and grooving. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Wes Jackson, joined one by our producer, co-host, Kristen. How are you, Kristen? Hello. I'm good today, and we have P. Carl with us today. The great P. Carl, Emerson <laughs> Faculty of Lore. When I got here, Carl, because I think you were you were in Germany, I think, when I got hired. Right? That's right. I was in uh, Berlin on a fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, I, you know, I, so I spent a semester getting to know everybody. And they were like, oh, and then, you know, when Pete Carl comes back and you got to email Pete Carl. And, and I was like, yo, who is this dude, Pete Carl, that, you know, this is all the deans, all the chairs are like, you're so lucky to have Pete Carl on the BC faculty. And I, you know, I Googled, you know, I was like, yeah, this dude looks pretty dope. And I think I, I emailed you and we had like a very cool email exchange. And then I think when I, when I finally saw you, that probably was that next fall. Yeah, um, yeah. I really felt like between everybody talking about you, like I feel like I knew you. And then I was like, okay, I see why everybody's so excited about <laughs> you. You were like, how could he be that short and still, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I get it. No, listen, I'm a short dude. I Carl very happy. <laughs> To have, you know, I, I like I like that I like that we were brothers in height. Yeah, it's good. It's good, and and in sneakers, yeah. And in sneakers, and then the right. famous story of sitting in a, in like a faculty. I don't think it was like a faculty meeting. Carl crosses his legs, and you have those. It, it was like the orange, the shattered yeah. backboard. Oh, yeah. And then the uh, Jordan and one down, and in my mind, Carl, and I just to say to tell you this. I'm like relatively new to higher ed, right? I'm coming from the sort of hip hop world. You dressed how people in my old life dressed. Yeah. So I kind of turned and I was just like, this cat is a professor? Oh, so we could do this. We could wear Jordans to meetings. And remember, Carl, I smacked your foot. Yeah. And I was, like, yes. I was like, how are you gonna do this to me? And, <laughs> and Carl just gave me this smile like, yup, you know what it is. I got him, and I think you just got him like that day. On the yeah, day. the shattered backwards were were a coup, you know. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think I've seen you in some. I think I've seen you in some Jordan ones now uh, since then. So yeah, I, I've tried to get my game. I really yeah. because I was going to go a little bit more, you know, tweed jackets and button ups, which is my style. But when I was when I saw you, I was like, so we could be ourselves. Then I'm with that. I want to be like Carl. But anyway. <laughs> Carl, introduce yourself to the people. I'd be quiet. Explain, you know, because um, you have a great backstory of how you came to Emerson and do what you do, and then we'll kind of get into the issues of the day. Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, I'll give you a brief intro. Uh, 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 you know, I'm from the Midwest, uh, Elkhart, Indiana, uh, and uh, uh, so I grew up, uh, I like to say, without a lot of culture. Um, and uh, so uh, the minute I could escape, I did uh, and uh, have been pretty much uh, making up lost time uh, since I could travel and study. And, uh, and I did a degree in English literature. I did a funky little master's in peace studies uh, and spent some time getting arrested uh, uh, for political activism and uh, did a little time in LA County Jail uh, and learned a few lessons there. Uh, and then uh, after that, I went, uh, did a PhD in 
comparative studies and discourse in society, which uh, means basically nothing, but it's turned out to be the greatest degree ever uh, because it allows me at Emerson uh, to teach across um, all kinds of departments. So my expertise is theater. I've been in the theater for almost 30 years now. And, uh, but uh, the, uh, I, my, my interest is very broad. And so I teach in BCE, uh, I teach in the Institute uh, and I teach in performing arts. So uh, I love um, cross-disciplinary. Uh, I love to talk about uh, politics. I love to talk about identity. I love to talk about aesthetics. Um, and uh, recently uh, published my memoir uh, about transitioning uh, from, um, uh, from myself to myself, uh, to transitioning uh, to uh, becoming a man is the title of the memoir. And uh, the, um, uh, that, that came out and uh, maybe, uh, I guess, a year ago, January. And then the paperback just came out in January. So um, that has been a whole other chapter and uh, I've adapted into a play. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, I don't know, I do a little bit of everything. Yeah, so P studies, performance studies, right? Well, no, I did peace as in peace and justice studies. Oh, I did a master. Yeah. Oh, I guess yeah, so, letter P. Oh, peace yeah. studies. Yeah, yeah, peace studies. Yeah. So I did this funky oh. little thing where, you know, I tried to like study like international relations through literature and storytelling. Oh, I never knew that. So yeah. where did you do it? So the English undergrad, I was also English major undergrad. So where were you doing, where'd you do your, your undergrad grad and the PhD? Yeah. So I did a, a, a you know, I, again, small town. Uh, I went uh, 20 minutes away uh, to Notre Dame. I uh, grew up an uh, Italian Catholic. Uh, so I did my undergrad there, uh, worked uh, some uh, out in LA, uh, in East LA and uh, learned how to speak Spanish and lived at, worked in a clinic there uh, uh, for uh, refugees from Central America. And then uh, went back to Notre Dame and did this international peace studies degree then went down and worked uh, organizing union farm workers in Florida uh, for a while, uh, and then went uh, to a uh, university of Minnesota and did my PhD. Wow. I did not know all of that. So yeah. what, what'd you get arrested for? I never knew uh, I liked that part too. Well, I, yeah. So uh, the, you know, it used to be a big deal, nuclear weapons people used to care about. Uh, and the fact that there are nuclear weapon silos, when you would drive in California down the highway, you could see these weapon silos, right? And so there's a, a nuclear naval weapon station uh, actually in Seal Beach. Uh, and uh, we uh, went there went with a group of people and uh, we um, uh, trespassed on government property uh, and uh, got, uh, got arrested for that. So, um, and, you know, made a statement it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I went to, I had to go to, I had to go to, uh, I had to go to trial and uh, you'll like the story because it's so, it's quintessential me. I had to go to trial and, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a misdemeanor and almost everybody's there for drugs, right? Or prostitution, right? So it's uh, all people, drugs, prostitution. And then there's this like, you know, little white person uh, with, you know, um, uh, too many uh, uh, degrees who's like, you know, the judge is like, you know, we're going to give you three years probation. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm like, you know, the, the illegality is uh, with uh, the Naval Nuclear Weapon Station. I am, uh, I'm on the right side of justice uh, by trying to protect the community doing this work. And I said, so you'll just have to put me in jail because I'm not gonna take your probation. And uh, he said, you know, you should probably take a lunch break uh, and think about this a little bit. And uh, I said, I don't need to think about it. You can think about it. So he took a lunch break. Uh, he came back and uh, in the meantime, I had like a big fan club, like, yo, you know, uh, and then uh, 
he uh, ended up uh, threatening with a year in jail, gave me a week in jail. I got out in a few days. Uh, but um, uh, but it was, you know, uh, speaking, you know, truth to truth to injustice uh, uh, comes naturally. I don't know. It's like in my genes. Yeah. And, and it's you're right. That is very on brand for the Carl that I know. Right. Who kind of is, uh, you know, the conscience, conscience, conscience of the BCE. Right. Making sure um you know, there's been multiple things, right? Where you sort of uh, checked me and checked syllabus and checked programs. And I mean that in the, in the most positive way of, uh, but that is very much, you know, sort of on brand. But I guess, um, so what happened? So I'm just trying to get the chronology. So you're doing this sort of activism and then how do you get, and, you, and then you get to theater and then you get to higher ed or is all of these things kind of mixed up Going on, you know, it, 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 one of the things that people say when they read the memoirs, uh, that and and you know, either you think it's brilliant or it annoys you, it you know, it, but uh, it's not linear in any way, uh, because I don't, I don't think about life chronologically, nor do I think about it, um, you know, ever singularly, like on a path somewhere, and I, I just think that's how my brain is wired, and so in a lot of ways, for me, they always intersected, though I will say, um. I'm a kind of an artist at heart. And so I wanted to be more political and maybe do more social justice, like hands-on work, but just, I've always been drawn to storytelling. And so I, I really, I just could not escape that. And my degree was so diverse. I really could have worked in theater, film, uh, publishing, I, 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 and kind of inadvertently landed in the theater with a grant writing job. And then, um, a few years later became an artistic director and that kind of catapulted me into um, a theater career as a producer, uh, a dramaturg. Um, and uh, my real dream has always been to be a writer. And so, uh, you know, kind of made a turn. Uh, when I came to uh, Emerson, I was working uh, uh, producing uh, with Arts Emerson and uh, I started an online journal called HowlRound uh, and I was doing that work and then, um, I left in 2017 and basically I got this nice little fellowship from the Ford Foundation that allowed me to, uh, you know, just do what I wanted to for a little bit. And then uh, I kind of switched gears and started just to work on my own projects um, and uh, living and then negotiated a contract with Emerson to stay on uh, as a um, uh, artist in residence and, and teach. So. Yeah. Okay. So that's right. That's so that last little bit is when, when, when I got to know you, right? So 17. Yeah, know, when I came, I will say this, I love te teaching is in my bones. And so when I got here in 2012 at Emerson, uh, I had no uh, responsibility at all to teach, but I taught for free, basically. I uh, said, I want to teach and I created classes and, uh, um, and that's how I got on the curriculum committee, which was kind of ridiculous because I didn't have a teaching appointment, um, but I taught in performing arts and I just love teaching. And um, so I just did it. Uh, and, uh, and then when I went to leave, they were like, why don't you stay, uh, you know, uh, stay on and teach. So wait, when you were on the committee that built the BCE, you weren't even on faculty. I was even on faculty. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As well as, but I just, you know, you got to do what you love. Right. <clears throat> so how did you, so did what like Luann kind of know you and pull you in? How did you get involved then? Uh, I think it was maybe uh, Rob Sabal. Uh, 
Okay. Knew me? Yeah. Uh, Rob knew me because of, uh, you know, teaching and performing arts and um, uh, yeah. And, you know, the cl- people liked the class and performing arts. We had a lot of fun and it was, uh, I, I teach a class called burning down the house, disruptive narratives in theater and life. And ever, nobody knew what that was. So a lot of people took it. Um, and, uh, uh, and so, uh, yeah. So I think that, you know, everyone was like, well, let's see what he's got to say about uh, curriculum, you know? So I just, I jumped on the committee and uh, had a, had a blast. So. Yeah, all I meant, but last thing, just for any sort of higher ed nerds who may be listening, when I first started, when I first got here as a director, I got to do the schedules. And before I even built a schedule, the provost had already determined what classes Carl was going to teach. And we're like, this is what Carl's doing now, negotiate after that. So the idea that like, that's three or four levels above me being like, so Carl's spoken for, I was like, Okay, this dude is ringing bells in this system. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I work. I, everybody, people are good to me, uh, and, uh, but I, I work hard. I like, and I like, and I love. Te- I love teaching. Like I said, across the discipline, so they uh, uh, free me up for that. Yeah, the students love Carl, don't they, Kristen? Carl's a rock star. Oh yeah, I tell anyone, I know that there's other professors that teach some of the classes you teach, but I tell anyone, and they're great too, but I'm always, if you have the chance to take it with Carl, like sign up for his class and build your schedule around his class because you don't want to miss that opportunity. And I'm really glad I got that opportunity because I believe the semester before I took your class, you were at Princeton. Was that right? First semester? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I was. yeah. Yeah, that's right. I was at Princeton. That's right. Yep. Yeah, and then I know my, I told my roommate to take your class um, and she, my roommate, Stella, I don't remember which class, is she in? Can you oh, she's me? in my class right now. But yeah, yeah, I teach a course on white masculinity and uh, she's in that course. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, yeah. She, yeah, she's having a great time in that class and she says like all great things about you. So like you really made waves across all the different programs because she's a film major, so. Yeah, well, and you made some waves in the class too and uh, and are now rocking out uh, in your, um, you know, uh, co-hosting and it's just been you were it was awesome having you in class so uh, I it's easy to be a good professor at Emerson because the students are so great yeah so. one last thing before we before the 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 Carl bio love fest there was one time uh, Kristen was in a meeting and she was like this guy's like a great professor you know you you walk out of the class I don't know if you remember this Kristen you're like you know you get lectures not a real lecture you come out there learning so much it's kind of like a Pete Carl's class and then I think Kristen had forgotten that like she's in one of my classes and she was like, oh, you're good too, Wes. And I was like, <laughs> and I just laughed inter- inside because it is like, oh man, to think if all these all these dumb professors could be like Pete Carl and I'm sort of like, I'm <laughs> in the room, you know? And I was like, you're, you're good too, you're good too. <laughs> you, you- <laughs> I'm like a student in Carl's class, like when, you lecture, it doesn't feel like a lecture. You make the lecture feel like a discussion, even if you're talking for like, even when you talk for like 10 minutes straight, I don't realize that you just talked for 10 minutes straight. And, and then someone else jumps in and stuff. It doesn't feel like I've, it doesn't feel like a lecture, even though, even when it was. And I really, I really enjoyed that. And the class always went by so fast. And I had some friends in that class too. And I will say you had us do, I took the developing aesthetic sensibility class with Carl and you had us do the journals and I actually continued doing that. Like, I mean, I always was the type that like journaled, but some of the ways you, you had us write of just like, when you notice something you find that's beautiful or that you enjoy, just like write about it. I continued doing that like subconsciously. And I really, it's kept me like positive since 
the class. And I just think that was like a really great thing to like build up that habit after that class. Uh, I, you know, I love to hear that because uh, the journals, uh, that's why I do it. And a lot of people tell me that. And, you know, my journals, I mean, when I went to write my memoir, it was amazing to have my journals, you know, and be able to uh, go back to what I was thinking and what, what moved me and what upset me and what, and, uh, and then also just to be tracking what you find beautiful and moving. It keeps you alive, especially in times like uh, we've been experiencing in this last year. So, uh, you know, holding on to beauty is an important thing. So I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. So that's a good segue to the, the memoirs. Got a big look, Time Magazine. Uh, tell us, uh, so, well, Kristen, why don't you kind of, you can tell us, cause you, you were the one who put me on to the details of it. I mean, if you do, if you know um, about the big look, tell, tell, the, tell the folks about the big look that, that Carl's memoir got lately, which is why we wanted to kind of bring him in. Yeah, well, I remember when I was, going back a little, when I was in your class, it was right when it was coming out. And you were like, oh yeah, the New York Times like might, might review it. And then they ended up like publishing a chapter and it was, and you were like so humble about it. And we were all just like, wait, what? And then my roommate who's in your class right now was recently like, oh yeah, Carl mentioned in class, he's talking to Elliot Page. Like they're just like in communication. And then I saw, and this is what Wes just mentioned, I saw Elliot Page's Time Magazine cover and they shouted you out on the cover talking about how like how much your book meant to him. Um, so I don't know if you just want to kind of talk about that a little bit um, and kind of like what that experience was. Did Elliot reach out to you? Did you send them a copy of the book? Kind of what happened? Yeah, well, what ended up, what happened was, um, so when, uh, you know, the play got put on hold, uh, the adaptation of the play we were working on and and you know, one of the big challenges of, of putting on the play actually is uh, is casting me uh, because there aren't um, a lot of trans uh, male actors uh, of my generation. Uh, a lot more trans actors are now uh, coming uh, uh, to be, and that's really exciting. But uh, you know, having a, a twenty one year old play me is probably, I mean, it would be flattering, but probably not realistic. And so, um, uh, and so. Uh, uh, when Elliot uh, came out, I was like, God, I'd love to, uh, you know, I'd love for Elliot to read the book and just kind of randomly, not really thinking he would read it, uh, sent it. Um, and then um, uh, he asked uh, for a meeting. Uh, he and his representative asked for a meeting. And so I, it, it was really, uh, I have to say, you know, uh, the reason you do the work that I do is uh, because you hope that it makes a difference somewhere, someplace, and it, and it doesn't have to be known to you, you know, like, but, you know, you, I mean, I get nice emails from people who've read the book, etc. But it was really uh, moving to um, sit with Elliot for an hour and have him talk about the book and, and talk about what it meant to him and, um, and that it helped him. Uh, uh, during, you know, uh, what is, uh, uh, I can't imagine transitioning uh, in the public way that he is transitioning. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you really have to have some touchstones. And I was glad the book could be one of those touchstones. Um, and, uh, and he said, when we met, uh, he said, you know, I just shouted your book out in my first big interview. And I didn't really, I mean, 
you know, like you say a lot of things in an interview, what people, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really even give it a thought, you know, and then I woke up uh, and I'm my, like my, you know, my social media was all blown up and I had all these messages and stuff. And I, I thought, what's going on? And, you know, that I, I read, the, he was, he really did shout it out. So uh, uh, really, uh, really, really generous uh, of him uh, to, um, uh, to mention the book. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty, uh, it, it was, it was a pretty cool thing to wake up to. <laughs> so you would so you just sent Elliot the book just because so after after he came out and then was was that or was it tied to getting him to potentially play you or that was really the, the, the yeah it was a little bit tied to that like the director of the play knew the attorney and uh you know it was a little bit tied to that but it was more I mean when I sent a lot of emails just more like um, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just, you know, I'd like, I'd love for you, uh, you know, just love for you to have this, you know, and read it and, and think, you know, and whatever comes of it comes of it. And so it was very low key. And, um, and, uh, and I, I really didn't expect, honestly, you, you know, you do that kind of stuff all the time. And you, you know, you know, you know, the, you know, the world, uh, Wes and, uh, and Kristen, you know, too, that uh, nothing really comes of it. And so um, the, the, all of a sudden, you know, I got this, you know, email saying, when are you available? And uh, so uh, it was, it was pretty cool. And then it was funny because I, I was like, I wonder, like, did he read it or is he, because you don't even know, you don't know what people have done. And, and he had not only read it, but he had read it uh, in all of the nuance and layers. It was quite stunning uh, uh, to hear him talk about it um, in terms of the sophistication, uh, emotional, like just layers of sophistication, um, uh, his own. Um, and then in, in conversation was really beautiful, so. You, you know, Carl, I wanted just to tie together something that Elliot says in the, in the interview and what you said earlier was saying that uh, the offers after he came out have been sort of are kind of off the charts, almost seeming like I kind of deduced that they were more than, you know, like myself to myself, to the first self, to the second self, um, or the whatever, you know, the, 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 the you know, to Elliot. So is it, I, I mean, I guess I remember when you were talking about the book about there, you realized that there were not many books about transitioning when you were writing yours, but are you seeing this sort of trend? Cause you're saying now there's a lot of trans actors coming out, like, you probably have watched that sort of spike go up more than, well, certainly, you know, more than most, more than most out here. But can you speak to that? Like, do you see, is it just people are just, in, you know, feel feel more free to be themselves? Are the bigots just being, you know, quieter? Are we just sort of, is it is things are just getting, you know, more enlightened? But it was just, I'm just curious which, how you viewed that comment that Elliot made. Yeah, I mean, a, a couple of things. I mean, <clears throat> certainly uh, trans has more visibility, right? That that Simon and Schuster gave me a contract to write the book tells you, you know, the world has changed, you know, by an inch. Uh, a, a couple of things about uh, Elliot getting more offers. One of the things that has been really notable uh, and I, really having the book come out, it, it hit home even harder was there's almost zero representation of trans masculinity in any media form. It is, it's really weird. Uh, trans women, by contrast, have had some success. Now, I mean, again, you know, you got to put that in context, but, you know, they've some success. And 
and they've also uh, been much more uh, the target of violence and murder than trans men. So trans men are more just a, you know, the, the, there's a price for visibility for trans women, so just to say it's, but trans masculinity has been almost invisible and, uh, and kind of stunningly so. And so there's very little out there. I mean, and, and what is out there gets zero attention. And so actually, interestingly, when the book, uh, the Times, you know, it was like a story in, in the New York Times Magazine. They did one of the chapters and the, the response was great. The New York Times Review was great. The book, uh, and, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of great feedback. So I, I don't say this in any, like, um, you know, I, I, I have no bad feelings about this, but I was stunned in the year that the book came out. A lot, a lot of trans books came out. At the end of the year, when you're in the literary world, all these best of lists come out and awards and prizes there was zero trans representation across the board unless the list was a trans list or a queer list. You know, otherwise there was, there were no trans writers of any, I mean, so it didn't have to even be my book. There was zero, there was zero recognition of trans people. And um, I, that was really stunning to me in terms of the erasure uh, and yet not stunning because it's like, you know, you think you've made a dent and really it's not much of a dent. So Elliot coming out, being on the first trans, first trans guy to be on uh, a Times cover, uh, I think, it, it, you know, sadly for, uh, it puts a lot of pressure on Elliot and sadly for our culture, it takes fame to do that kind of work, but it's an, it's an enormously big deal in terms of that uh, question of erasure. Um, and so, uh, but there's a long, long way to go. And I'll tell you, even in the, even in the level of acceptance, the, like when I was on fellowship at Princeton, uh, there were, you know, I had like, you know, death threats and people uh, didn't think a trans guy should uh, be allowed to be in an Ivy League teaching. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, and, and there's a big scandal right now going on at University of Rhode Island uh, with a, one of the women, uh, the chair of, or the endowed chair in gender and women's studies um, uh, compared trans uh, lives to the QAnon conspiracy theorists. Um, and that uh, basically um, there's no such thing as trans sex as she calls it. Um, and it's on the front page of the globe uh, today. So uh, uh, it's, you know, uh, that, I mean, you, you know, uh, as a black man, the love and the hate uh, go, um, you know, they go to, uh, they, you know, they often uh, counter each other and uh, uh, trans people I think are uh, early in even uh, any kind of love phase. Um, so. Yeah, I, th I feel it, Carl, you may have, I, I, I think this is in the beginning of your book or you said it when we went to see you. I remember you did that talk, I forget the bookstore on. Um, yeah, Trident. Trident, yeah. Trident. We all yeah. went mm -hmm. to check you out. I don't know if you said it there, if I got it from the book, but I, I always appreciated the, can I just say this? I just want to be clear. What I think is so dope about Emerson and almost my colleagues is any reference to your transition when I got there in 17, 18, it just was not, it was just, it just was, it was not a thing. It was just, yeah. Carl is dope. You should know Carl, respect Carl, respect Carl's schedule. Don't mess with Carl's schedule or the provost is going to come through your head off. So, and then, so I literally, when I met you, I didn't, it just didn't, I, you know what I mean? It just, it was, it was lovely that it just wasn't, yeah. it was Carl in his excellence. Whatever Carl went through, his life was, was none of my business, right? Cause you know, it isn't, 
particularly, and it took me a long time before it before I before somebody mentioned, and it probably was about the book because it was it was talking about yo Carl's book, becoming a man, and I was and 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 I was just like, what? That's an odd title. Like I don't get it. Like what are they talking about? And then it came out. And I was like, oh, dope. And it just was like another data point. Like well, I'm gonna read that book, but I but you said something kind of drawing that, I don't know if intersectionality is the right word, but about being, you know, the trans movement and sort of the, the movement for black liberation. And I just really kind of, it kind of made me, you know, endeared me to your thinking even more that you can sort of understand, like, that you understand my struggle. So therefore I need to sort of give me the, the, the mental window to better understand what you write about um, sort of in the book. So I've always wanted to say that to you because you take out trans, you put in black, you put in gay, you put in all these things and we're all getting beat up by the same ignorant system. So obviously, you know, so I felt that kinship is I guess what I'm saying. And I guess the question buried in that is I'm sure the trans world is, is throwing you tons of love, but are you getting it also from other sort of marginalized groups, are they seeing what I'm seeing that I'm gonna support this, you know, I'm, this book is like part of my same struggle is how I see it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting what you say, Wes, and I, I think it's a really important point. And I, I, uh, one, I, I love the fact, I mean, and I kind of knew this about you, like I, I, I love the fact that people didn't need to say I was trans to introduce me to you right and that's emerson's so cool that way it's uh, christian i talk about this in the class i've i've taught at emerson i have never felt any energy other than oh my god i have a trans professor if anything you know it, but otherwise it just you know and it, so the acceptance level the openness level um and but you know one part of your story points out is as a trans passing man, right? I, I can walk in the world sometimes, you know, without being a target. You don't, you don't get that, you don't get that privilege, right? And so you could walk out of your office, just, you know, hands in your pocket and, you know, your life could be over, right? And so my, I don't live in that universe. So in, in that way, our struggles are um, are different. And I really, uh, I acknowledge that in the books, I think it's important. Whiteness is its own, you know, its own thing. And, uh, and that said, um, I think, you know, uh, being trans, uh, it helps me uh, to know how little I can know about another person's experience. And that's what I feel like connects me to you is like, I can, I can try to know but I also know I can't know. And so I want to know and I want to listen and learn and figure it out. Um, and, uh, and so, and, you know, if you're not trans, you're never going to, you, you just can't, you can't know it. But, um, but I think what we have in common is that understanding of what it's like to have your body be so politicized, you know, and as a black man, you can't cover it you know, as a white person uh, who passes, I can, you know, um, uh, but um, so, you know, I, I, in terms of love from other communities, uh, I think it's complicated in that, you know, there's always a sense, even within a community, that there's only so much space, like, how many trans writers do we get to have? How many African American writers can we have? How many African American faculty, we're always being divvied up by our bodies. And so either it becomes a 
a source of competition or it becomes a source of connection. So I find both things can happen, you know? Yes, that, that I'm just writing being divvied up by our bodies because that's, 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 that's a great, just a way to great thought. But are you getting, and I, so I also thought about this thing also with you when I saw the Elliot thing, and it was like, it, there's almost a bit of a spectacle about it, right? That I could imagine it could be, it's like, oh, the first black person to this, I'm starting to get annoyed. Like, I'm starting to say the next time I see the first black person, I want yes. it to be a negative story. Like yes. the first black, oh, look, the first black CEO of Walgreens. It needs to be not like, yo, can you believe it's 2021 and it's the first black blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking of like Elliot, like I'm right. Like I, I Umbrella Academy is, is, is my, you know, I love that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I blew through that in two days. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, I'm down to support Elliot and whatever he does, because, you know, I, I, I love, I love his work. You know what I mean? And then anything beyond that, I'm with you just on, on GP, but this idea of, competition right is yeah. it's like this i call it the highlander there can only be one right? yes. So yes. Only one trans writer on the list so you're getting that vibe too so how do you I, I don't know where the question is in there but how do you engage with that and i know kristen you seem like you want to jump in please yeah i think a good way to like ask it is like the word tokenization and we've seen it a lot with the black community there's always you watch a tv show there's the one black friend and now it seems like the newest thing is like, oh, you watch a movie and there's the one trans character. Like you see it being tokenized and the representation is great. But like an example was I have a cousin who's a trans actress, Josie Toda, and um, she's been in a ton of things and she's doing really awesome. But the movie Moxie recently, mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize she was in it when I went to go watch it. And there's like, she has like three lines and one of the lines and like two of the lines are about being trans. And like, that's all the character really gets. Yeah. So yeah. kind of like the, um, and I guess this is what happens and we've seen it happen with like, there's always, you know, like I just said, like with the black friend in the TV show, the tokenization of it. And it's kind of like what, now I don't know, I lost how I wanted to phrase it, but um, kind of like what's like the next step to get past that? to make sure that we're not tokenizing it and we're not, and, but the rep, like that always seems like the first step, but then, yeah. but that's what's past that. Yeah, I mean, it's a, such a great question. Uh, I, I wonder if we know, right? Cause I think we're still tokenizing. I mean, and, and I think to Wes's point, uh, I mean, we're now in this period of, which I think is an incredible period of like finally recognizing uh, with, you know, um, all of the work of Black Lives Matter, uh, all of the leadership possibilities and, uh, you know, just representation and the world of entertainment and business and, uh, and uh, the idea that we would start to hire people in positions of power that are not all white. And, you know, so you start to see that happen. But, you know, one of the things I one of the things I, I like to say that there are multiple truths. Right. And multiple truths are the representation problem is dire. It's dire for uh, people of color in this country. Uh, it's dire for trans people. It's dire for, you know, some queer people, uh, especially if you're, you know, openly uh, queer. Uh, and, and so that is real and it has to be addressed. And it, and it partly gets addressed initially by tokenization, right? Like, oh my God, there's a trans, oh my God, I see myself, right? And if you're a trans person and you've never seen yourself, I mean, the experience of seeing yourself, any version of yourself in a book, 
in a movie, it, it's life-changing, right? You're just like, oh my God, I exist. Even if sometimes it's not great, like, oh my God, some of the early trans representations of movies, I mean, it's all uh, serial killers, you know? Um, so, or you're getting killed or something, you know? It's, it, it, you know and, uh, um, and, and so the tokenization is kind of part of it. The, the multiple truth pieces, it also becomes weird when you divvy up by bodies because the assumption is that because there's a trans person or you know a, a queer person or whatever that's like like that's a like that we're ultimately good people like like that's a good thing you know it's like I, I like I like to say like all trans people are not great people all I mean all people are complicated right so just putting bodies right in positions is important it matters and changing the ethical and moral frames that we live in matter as much as that because if you just throw somebody into late stage capitalism corporate america yeah great i do think it makes a difference to have a trans person in that position or black black person in that position or a woman in that position they're going to ask different questions they might hire different people but they're ultimately not going to stop the machine of like the you know the machine is the machine right and so uh we aren't you know, so for me, change, this, this identity is everything, is, is a period of time that matters. And also, um, you know, these bigger questions of how do we care for each other beyond who we are in his bodies is so much more important to me. Um, and I don't think, I think we've lost track of any sense of, I mean, just the sense of people not wanting to wear masks or like, uh, you know, or, or uprooting a vaccination clinic, or like, we, we've forgotten somewhere along the way, or maybe we never learned, but it, it, it seems it's at its ugliest phase, we've forgotten how to care for each other. And uh, that uh, has to go hand in hand with new bodies in positions of power, you know. I don't know if that makes sense. It's kind of, uh, but it's like, both things I think matter. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. I mean, I guess both, yeah, our questions were sort of, you know, it hit multiple things. I think the answer did as well. You just, and I don't want to talk all about, you know, you know, the book and, and your own, uh, you know, transition uh, uh, particularly, but I, I just wrote it's like tokenization is a step before representation. Yeah, yeah. Is the ugly part of it, but then there's action because I do think as much as it's ugly out there, you know, you think about, and I'm going to get to you the book, and then transit. You know, getting um, turned into a play, and Elliot on on the cover of Time magazine. I do think there is that sense of there's going to be a, at least some crowd of people who are going to look and be like, "That's just Elliot. Like that's just Carl." And oh, and 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 I, and I don't want to do this. The, the thing that happens to black posts, like I don't see color, like that terrible thing. <laughs> I don't, you know what I'm saying? So I don't want to make sure I don't give that energy to you. Be like, it's Carl and this and that and that. But I think there was, right, there was a time when that was, right, for both of us, it was violent. And the real talk to get real business, when you're in a cover Time magazine, it's clearly not quite, it, 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 that, is a, that is a difference. Um, yeah, yeah, some yeah. Level of, it is progress. But again, we started from such a dark place. But anyway, I want to just ask you about um, talk real business now, Carl, because I think one of the most interesting things about all of this 
was the book getting turned into a play. Yeah. And I know you developed a class about it. Um, and, you know, I have my, my little crackpot theory of that I made Kristen read uh, in last fall of immediate thermodynamics of, of sort of the energy transforming, right? Mm -hmm. So there's Carl energy, it manifests as a book and then it moves from like gas to water. And now it's a play and then it could be a movie and then it could be a TV. So I would love to kind of talk about the bit, you know, the Carl, the business person, Carl, the artist, the, the practitioner, what, how did that happen? The book to the play. And then I know that got interrupted by COVID, but just walk us through that wonderful kind of that deal-making process, if you can. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, uh, I, so I started this online journal haul around and I did it in my, um, uh, I did it in, in my, on my dining room table uh, after I was out of rehearsals when I worked in Steppable Theater in Chicago. Uh, and uh, it was uh, uh, my wife, Lynette, who's a copy editor, copywriter, helped me immensely. But mostly I just sat at my dining room table and said, there's no conversation about representation in the theater. It's, and, and at that time, this was 2010, uh, there was no online theater presence, period, nothing. I mean, uh, American theater, there was nothing. And so I was, I, I, you know, it's one of those great business moments where you enter a void, right? Like you're just, I'm in a void, right? Except that for, unfortunately it wasn't a, it was nonprofit. So I didn't, I didn't make any money off it, but the, so there was this void um, and, uh, and I just, uh, and the void for me was, I cannot believe that we are in 2010 and uh, we are programming all white seasons across the country of white men. And, you know, I just, it just, the theater was just so boring. I was just like ready to leave. And so I was like, okay, rather than leave, what could I do that might change it? And so I started this journal and partly what I did to start it was I seeded a lot of other people writing, but I wrote myself, right? I wrote all the things that like I was pissed about. I, it's a, it's a, the journal's called Howl Round, which is the screaming feedback in a microphone. And I was just screaming, you know, I'm just like, I'm mad, you know, I'm mad about this. And, um, and I got a reputation in, uh, well, a, a love, a love or hate, depending on who you were, you, you love me or you hated me uh, for what I was screaming about. Um, and, uh, but I, so I've been, so I've been writing for a long time, uh, in that way. Um, and then, um, and I, I wrote a piece, uh, 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 early in the trans is I was moving to our transition call, call, uh, called a boy in a man's theater. Um, and then I wrote a couple other pieces, uh, and, uh, somebody gave those pieces to, um, an agent, uh, in New York, um, and uh, the agent in New York called me and said, "Can I represent you?" Which you know never happens. It never happens. <laughs> I hate to just you should cut cut this out because it makes people not like you when you tell the story. I don't usually tell it, and um, and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, awesome," you know. And it was that mo. It well, two things happened simultaneously. I mean, I transition. So I was embodied for the first time. I really felt like I had my own voice, right? Like in my earlier voice was more like, I could tell you about other things, but I really felt like I, I knew me and what I wanted to say. So, and then I felt embodied. And then I, all of a sudden I had this person saying, write it, write the book. Right. And then, you know, uh, a couple of fellowships fell on me and I had time and I, um, I just like, I really, it was, it was like I'd been waiting my whole life 
uh, to be embodied and to write the stories I wanted to tell. And the book just poured out of me. I mean, literally just poured out of me. I wrote it in about a year and a half and, uh, um, uh, it got published, you know, within two and a half years. I mean, that kind of timing just doesn't happen very often. Um, but honestly, I'd been prepping for it my whole life. Um, and then in the meantime, you know, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a quiet, uh, uh, look for opportunity person. Uh, I'm not a good, uh, I'm not a big social media, uh, self promoter, but I'm a quiet, know people and do my thing. And so I, uh, quietly handed the book to uh, the artistic director at ART, Diane Paulus, in a PDF form. And I said, uh, you want to make a play with me? Um, and, uh, you know, I do stuff like that all the time. And, you know, 99 out of a hundred times, nothing happens. Right. I mean, and then, but, uh, she read the PDF on her phone on a plane to Tokyo for something she was doing. And, uh, she basically emailed me and said, yeah, let's make it. And they commissioned me. Um, and, uh, and then we started workshopping it and, uh, uh, weeks before COVID shut everything down, we read it in a table reading at her house. And, um, it just, it just, it just was, it was moving and it just gelled and she's just like, I want to produce it. And, um, my friend Oscar used it at the public read it and he's like, I want to produce it. Um, and so, you know, it, but partly it happens, um, because you take these little risks. I mean, the book wasn't even published yet, you know, and I was like, well, I'll make a play. And, I'd never even written my, I mean, I'd helped a hundred writers write plays, uh, I, but I had not ever written my own play. Uh, yeah. And so I just said, but I thought I could write a play. And so uh, I wrote the play. Um, so. I did not know that. I, I, I was literally one of my questions. I, so you had never written your own. That's crazy. Yeah. As a dramaturg and producer. Yeah. As dramaturg, you know, I mean, you probably know this a little bit and you're, cause you're a producer, like as a dramaturg producer, like I'm giving feedback all the time. I've been in a room with writers my whole life, looking at scripts and giving notes and blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's all I've ever done. Um, and so then when I went to write the play, like I wrote the play in like three months. I mean, it was just like, boom, 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 because I've been writing, I've been writing plays, you know, in one way in my head all, all my life. So, um, or 30 years. Uh, so, um, yeah, so I just wrote the play. Is and there a reason you chose to go with a play versus a movie or a TV show? Or is that because is, is that the medium you know the most? Or did you feel like that would be the best way to tell the story? Two things, I think. I mean, obviously, it's medium. I, I could hand it to somebody like Diane, who's, you know, one of the great artists of our time in the theater, which I couldn't, you know, I, I don't know a movie director probably, you know, at that. So I couldn't probably do it as easily. But, but also to your point, uh, Kristen, I think, the and the part of my desire to do it as theater is that there the and the reason I love theater in a world that is so obsessed with bodies, um, the idea of being in proximity to each other and because the trans body is so much about the body and in in many ways the fetishization of the body you know people are obsessed with you know surgeries and what you do and how do you look and blah 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 that it felt really important to me. Uh, that there be a live uh, version. Um, and so that uh, uh, intrigued me a lot. And I thought there was a lot of magic that could happen on stage that would be different kind of magic on film. But I love the idea of it being TV or film as well, but, um, but want, wanted to definitely to make a stage piece. That makes, I never thought about that. The physical proximity 
yeah. a theater, yeah. which is now a problem because COVID. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't thinking about COVID when I was thinking about, uh, yeah. Oh, how were you not thinking about the COVID? <laughs> six, you know, a year before it happened. So, so, so indulge me for a second. I know we're, we're, we're running out of time, Kristen, but so indulge me for a minute, Carl. Like, so what's that process of transitioning the book to the play? No pun intended. But like, what do you do? Like, what are you like looking at chapters? And then I'm just trying to wrap my head around the exercise that you mentally go through moving a book to a play. And this could be yours or maybe in, just in general, because I just- Yeah, it's probably a little bit of both. It's, it's probably in general and also mine, but I think, so one thing of course, obviously is that most books are not as dialogue, right? Uh, there's a lot of description, right? And so you have to remember that the actors do the description and you write the dialogue, right? It may be a setting, but not the description. So the process for me um, was, uh, well, first off, the first draft, like if I said it to you, you know, it, it's like, um, it's a lot of just like straight, there's no dialogue, there's no action, right? Because books aren't action oriented in, in most ways uh, or in the same way. And so what I did was um, a couple of things. One was I went to the scenes where there was dialogue, uh, where there was action. And I pulled all those scenes out. Um, and, uh, and then as an exercise, I wrote a play with no monologues because it'd be very easy to write a, a one man monologue show. This was the other thing. I, I was um, insistent that it not be a one man show. I just, I could not deal with yet another one man trans show just on the economic scale. I'm so tired of being reduced to, we can only afford one actor to tell the trans story. Um, and so I was like, no, I want to tell the whole story. And it's not just a, a story about me. You know, it's a story about my wife. It's a story about politics. It's a story about the white men I meet along the way. And um, so I started, I went to this uh, scene, which is much later in the book, uh, where I meet this guy on a road trip. Uh, and we have this whole exchange at a Hampton Inn uh, that starts one evening and then goes into the next morning. And I started that as the opening scene um, and um, with a monologue, short monologue then that is opening scene. And so then you just start uh, activating, activating, taking out all the pros, um, you know, and, and it just gets uh, tighter and tighter as a, a series of conversations and action oriented events. Um, and then um, I think from there, uh, it all then becomes about structure. You know, what order are you going to tell it in? And the orders are not the same, right? And then there were things like, in the book, you can feel that I love Lynette in the book. In the play version, it seemed like all we did was fight. Because, like, weirdly, right? Because there's not a lot of background in the book about our early relationship. So then I ended up writing new scenes that are not in the book about our early relationship, right? So you, you don't know what's, so there are things missing in the book that need to be in the play, way more in the book that needs, <laughs> that you don't need in the play. Um, but I, adaptation is my favorite thing in the world. It's sort of like math to me, you know? Uh, like it's like math or like geometry, it's, it's puzzle pieces and what order they go in. And um, uh, I, I, I think that was about as much fun as I could have is adapting the book into a play. I really loved that. So when you say like math, I'm thinking like, are you trying to almost like balance the equation? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. One side of the equal sign. That's a wonderful way to look at it. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I have a little bit of a math mind and it really tapped into that. Like, how does, you know, like how does, I said this, not, you know, it, it's got to balance this way, but, it, and it's also got to be put together right. Um, yeah. You know, uh, so that was, a, like I said, I, I really love that. I could, I could just sit around and adapt things. I think it's fun. So if it moved, say, say we did, say when the, when the play comes out, it blows up, it gets option for film. So you're not against that, but that's a different, like if what you're doing is algebra, does that become almost like trigonometry? Yeah, that, yeah. It's a, there, it's a really different medium. And I think, you know, uh, there's been, you know, I've, I've talked to several people about film and TV. And um, one thing that happens, there's a whole uh, legal side, which is generally if you sell the rights or option the rights in some way, uh, that, that, that would pretty much close down the play happening. So. I was hoping that the play was going to happen and then, you know, not uh, anyway, I, I don't want to give up that opportunity uh, to do the play, but, um, uh, um, but the, I think if, as I've talked about doing it in, in, in TV or film, uh, I would probably work as a kind of co-show runner. Like, I think that's a universe that uh, I would, I know enough about to, and, and it's my life. So I'm not going to sell it to somebody and not be involved, but also, um, you know, it's a, it's an expertise that I would have to look to some others to be part of that uh, process. So, so that, I don't know what that would look like. Yeah. Does, I'm trying to think of there any, I'm trying to think of plays to film that I really like that have made that jump. Cause I guess it was like yeah. fences, right? With Denzel. Denzel fences. And then, you know, um, Ma Rainey, I mean, they just did the, um, and you know, honestly, it was funny. You could always tell, a, pl a play uh, to film, especially during COVID, because you could tell that they had filmed it without being able to go anywhere. But um, but that I thought that was an amazing adaptation. It was clearly not a film in a weird way, but honestly, you put that quality of actor with that quality of writing in a room where they're making music. It, I just thought it was spectacular. But I would almost call it a, a different genre. I I was, you know, I, I was thinking that because there's another one. Did you see the thing that Regina King did one night in Miami? Yep. 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 I think it's another August Wilson. It's another August. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I'm watching it like this is not something is off. And I went and I Googled it and I was like, it's a play. I knew it. And then Ma Rainey's was watching it and I had the same. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. And yes. And it's not the, right. It's a different. We should call it. But like a teleplay sounds not right, right? That's yeah, not quite a tell. Yeah, also sounds more too boring. But it's like, but it's funny because you know something's wrong. I, you know, the one night in Miami is one night in Miami even more so because of, there's so much dialogue, right? I mean, just so much dialogue. But the but it's it is it's just a different form. And if you give over to the form, it's kind of an incredible experience. But if you think you're watching TV or film, you're not. Yeah. And if you think you're watching a play recorded, you're not doing that either, you know? So what is the thing? What is that thing though, Carl? Because I feel it too, but I can't articulate it. I almost want to say to be too like simple. I actually think that the dialogue is more, is better, more intense. Yeah, yeah. Chadwick's yeah. scenes, like when he was talking, especially that, that the, the, you know, the, the climax is just richer writing. But yes. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to diss TV and film writers. But what is the thing, right? Because it's like a, 
articulate it for me. Because you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know if I know, but I'll, like a couple of guesses. It's I think it's motion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's like you know when you read a TV script or film script, you know, obviously it's it's more about motion, right? How the film moves. There's as much stage direction in it or way more than dialogue, right? And so you take a play, it's the reverse. You know, you've got this much di- uh, this much stage direction, right? And it's all dialogue. And so when you watch, it's almost like the same experience. It's like, you're not moving, right? Like you're not going somewhere, you know? You're not in a car, right? You don't, you don't write plays in a car. The reason you don't write plays in a car, very practically, you can't have a freaking car on the stage, right? So you don't write plays in a car, right? You don't write plays in an airplane. You know, I mean, you do and you don't. I, I'm, I'm overstating, obviously, but but I think uh, but I think it's motion. And so there's a stasis that comes that you can't overcome when you do it unless you just chuck it right and adapt it really to the genre. But those two examples are examples that are adapted to be the same language in a different genre. Yeah. Stasis. That's it. It's, it could be that simple with the setting. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because yeah. it only happens in that basement or upstairs. Yeah. The one night Miami happens just in that hotel room. Right. Yeah. It is yeah. it is much more. I think that's that's the best. And there's not a lot of editing because of the stasis. And you don't get all the cuts. You don't move the same way. Yeah. Right. There's yeah. no jump cuts. There's no yeah. explosions. There's, yeah, it could be as simple as that. But there's also something we can't. There's something yeah. magical about it. It's a tone. It's something. It's like yeah. you can hear that it's not film, as film as we know it. Yeah, and I know we're over time, Kristen, but I just, I just, but I almost think that like theater actors take the delivery of lines differently. Yeah. Than film, because you got to hit it right. There's no like, oh, I messed up that line. Sorry, audience. We're gonna rewind, and I'll come back out from my cue. Like some of that film is like, oh, I messed that line up. Just cut it. And we'll go back. So I think there's a seriousness when yeah. people know that you're spitting that. And somehow that carried over to Chadwick, that level of, not that he wasn't serious, but you kind of felt that energy. That's well, cool. yeah. And you know, like some of my favorite directors, uh, you know, I, I love Chloe Zhao uh, and have been teaching her films. And now she has a new film, Nomad Land, you know, which is uh, uh, won the Golden Globe, right? Her film, The Writer, is one of my favorite films of all time. But uh, Chloe, Kelly Reichert, if you've ever watched her films, there's almost no dialogue. It's like they're landscape films, right? And you just can't do that in the theater. I mean, it's just a whole different, um, you know, whole different universe. And so you don't get landscape the same way. Um, and Nomad Land is just, I mean, it's just phenomenal what can happen with landscape and um, some great acting. But the actors don't have to say that much. Uh, it's a different, <laughs> it's different, you know? Yeah. yeah. I got to watch that one. I haven't checked that out. Yeah, it's really good. Really, really good. Well, listen, I know we're at, we're at the end of our time with, with the great Pete Carl. I just want to thank you so much, man. I think uh, I say I say it all the time. I was talking to parents last night. One thing I love about the BC faculty is I feel smarter every time I talk to one of, one of the faculty members. And you've just now helped me scratch this itch when I'm watching Ma Rainey's like, that's it. So now I, I appreciate you know, the time, uh, any it's final- always mutual. It's mutual. And I love, I love hanging. I just love talking to you, Wes. I always enjoy it. Uh, no, your, curio- your curiosity and energy has just, you know, it's just elevated B- the BCE program so much. So it's really a pleasure to, but I, I think because I just, you know, yeah, I, I appreciate that. But I, I think the curiosity we've made this joke, we try to encourage it in the BCE, 
you know, and I think about my dad who we we're talking about before, who, who who's gonna listen to this, you know, 80, almost be 81 years old is still like, give me some new books, give me some new podcasts. Yep. That's that's the secret to life. So I'm, uh, and I love to learn what I don't know and theater is what I don't know. Um, but you know sneakers, you know hip hop. So I figure <laughs> if I talk to anybody, I would talk to Carl about it. Uh, I love it. Parting words, producer, director, Kristen, before we get out of here. Yeah, well, I guess I just wanted to end by asking Carl what's next. So I know the play got paused because of COVID, but kind of do you, as vaccinations come out, like what's anything picking up that you're allowed to tell us? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's so weird to have everything on hold. Uh, so the play won a little uh, NEA grant, which was great um, uh, from uh, ART applied for uh, to support the play. So we're definitely going to do some workshopping of the play this summer. Uh, and um, and and uh, I know that ART is committed to it, obviously timeline unknown. So this summer I'll definitely be working on the play. Uh, and then um, you know, I, I, I got a couple other things percolating in the hopper, but I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm really moving in on the next book right now. Um, and then uh, just kind of hoping, I got a bunch of conversations out there in the TV film world, hoping maybe, uh, you know, the next step from the play, but yeah, we'll just see, you know. Uh, so uh, that's, where, that's where things are. When you win the Tony, when you do the EGOT for this, when you win all the awards, just shout out BCE, Carl. Just don't forget. Don't you? Oh, oh my! I'll have like a BCE pin or something. Don't worry. I'll, <laughs> don't worry. I'll give you the, we'll give you one of these hoodies. Yeah, I get. I, I'll have the I'll have the hoodie. Oh, so when you win your Tony, the Oscar, the Grammy, I'll be on the it. red carpet in the BCE hoodie. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. I'm in it. J's and that's BCE. right. That's right. I love it. All um, right, hey, Carl. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate this so hey. much. And awesome. everybody. We'll see you the next time in the hallway with another great scholar and thinker. And thanks to Kristen for putting this together and the whole BC program for giving us all this platform. All right.